Ladies and gentlemen, we are live on Instagram. We are live on Forever Athlete Radio as well. Today I'm joined by two phenomenal just people in general that happen to be really freaking fast with their two feet. Sam just finished up a marathon out in Sacramento, crushed it, was dealing with a little bit of injury and came in at three hours, right? Like right there. Three hours and 49 seconds. Right there. Let's go. At, yeah. Know, what, two hours and 58 minutes a few months back now, right? Yeah, 57, but who's counting, you know? So, yeah, who's counting? Whatever. <laughs> it's, you're under three. That's the, that's the standard, right? So I'm stoked to jam with both of you guys just to um, talk all things running. I know a lot of people have a lot of questions in this regard, me being one of them. Um, I've had the pleasure of being able to run with Matt, have been able to train with Sam, and I figured why not? Throw the two of you beautiful people in a room. How are you guys feeling tonight, first and foremost? Great. Sensational. How long did you run today? Um, today was easy. Four miles. Very light. Recovery run. I had a 10-mile session yesterday. So, okay. people, if you're listening to this, take your easy days easy, damn it. Run slower than you think. <laughs> so, that was actually the first thing that – Sam and I like worked on when her and I started programming for me, she was like, Corey, you're going way too fast. Um, how did you guys Sam? I know we've explained this on another thing, but how would you describe easy runs? I know Matt says it's conversational pace, but for those maybe newer out there, how do you start to find what is truly easy? I think there's two ways to really measure it. The first is like Matt said, conversational, but I think that like, if I'm on a phone call, I don't want them to know that I'm running. I want them to think maybe I'm outside, I'm doing a brisk activity, but I don't want them to know that I'm running. I shouldn't be huffing and puffing. I should be fully able to engage. I'm not really worried about what's going on in my body so much because it's so easy and comfortable. Um, you should always feel like you have gas in the tank. You could pick up and go faster, but you don't need to. It's just a cruiser. And the other way to measure is uh, using your heart rate. So kind of figuring out what your zone one through zone five is and spending most of your time, like 80% of your runs in that zone one, zone two. Um, and to establish that takes a little bit of time, which I'm sure both of you guys have experienced. Like when you first start running, your heart rate is not hanging out in zone two. So you do have to go based off of how does it feel? Hmm. Matt, how long did it take you to start to really like hone in the, the zone two or the easy runs? Um, well, really quick, Sam, put your thing on mute on the IG because they're all saying that it's echoing crazy. Corey, keep yours regular, but I think if both of us mute it, it'll sound better on Corey's end. I got kicked out. Oh, shoot. I'm really? not in the, I'm not in the live now. She's not in the live. Okay, we'll put it's it back just in. Corey now. Um, but I, I'm thinking <laughs> it can't probably hear me, though, if I'm on mute. It will come out of my computer. Okay, cool. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, dude, um, it wasn't until I got with a coach. Um, I think I worked with Jeff Cunningham getting into the, the sub three uh, journey of hitting it in tunnel vision. And, you know, obviously when you're first starting to run, a lot of people just start by throwing their shoes on and just kind of beginning their journey. I'm assuming at some point you're going to do some research and you found, you know, Nick Bear on Instagram or you found one of our channels on Instagram and someone got you motivated to start running. And then you just start like doing some homework, right? You look up some videos and you're like, all right, well, look, let me look up a marathon program or let me look up, you know, whatever. And I think at some point, if once you have a little bit of a foundation and like you have people in your corner that are like, hey, you've been pretty much doing tempo runs every day. It's not the best strategy to keep you injury free. And I think for me, it started there where I was just running too fast, too many days in a row. And I would just deal with plantar fasciitis or shin splints and it, the injuries taught me to then slow it the hell down. And I think that for any runner, if you're listening to this and you're new, if you can avoid that step of getting hurt to then teach you that lesson, um, use this point right now to like drop in a question in the, in the live, or just really like, like let that sink in. Like, honestly, you're going to get faster by building your aerobic base and by going slower. Mm. That's what I say. <laughs> Did I wear the perfect sweatshirt for this or what? <laughs> slow down, up, baby. Come on. The freaking Come the on. Perfect one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's boring. It's, it's tough sometimes I think to really embrace that part, but it's a, a vital part in getting faster for sure. 
Um, I'd be curious, Matt, for you, like, how did you get into running? What, what's the backstory here for those not familiar? Yeah. So, I mean, I was formerly a football player in college and like kind of my whole life, like that was my identity. And I got into running during COVID where in Maryland, like everything was locked down. And obviously a lot of people kind of got caged up and like felt like they weren't able to kind of be themselves and do their activities and hobbies. And I found running as an opportunity to kind of, you know, still get my fitness in and do something that was kind of out of my comfortability. At the time I was reading David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. And that kind of like ignited the first spark. But then obviously anyone can read about running a marathon or running a hundred miles, but then you have to start doing the work. And then it was just kind of this relentless pursuit of like trying to just get better 1% every day. And I started with doing the Murph challenge 30 days in a row, one mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, another mile, 30 days straight, you get 60 miles of base building. And that was kind of my foundation. And then from there, I just put on my Instagram when I had 2000 beautiful followers, I was like, yo, how many miles should I go run? And like, should I do four miles or should I just do four plus? And everyone's like, go run four plus miles. And then one thing led to another. And I found myself just trying to like push my limit. And that's kind of how it all started. Like just two years ago, which is honestly quite crazy when I think about it. That's what I say. I love it. man. <laughs> I think you just, you stumbled upon something that has uh, returned a lot to you in that process, but you just keep showing up and giving, which is something I've always admired with you, Sam, for you, like, I Sam's a former guest of the podcast of the show. So if you haven't listened to her episode, it's actually the most listened episode of 2023 or 2022. You got the accolades, you got the crown. So people can listen to that for your origin story on running. I'm curious on the coaching side, like at what point did you know that you wanted to get in focus on run coaching specifically? Yeah. Um, I was at soul cycle for eight years. Um, even during the pandemic, I was still working there. Um, and at some point they furloughed us and I started coaching some runners who were just asking like, how do I start running and what should I do and where do I really begin? And so I'm just muting my Instagram. Um, and so once they started asking the questions, I was like, Oh, there's a real possibility for me to actually guide a lot of people and teach them a little bit about the foundation of it. Um, and as the people started reaching out, I started posting a little bit about potentially doing an in-training program. So we did a 12-week program to a half marathon. And like Matt said, like there was nothing going on. There was no races. So everyone was running a half marathon on their own, which was the coolest thing. These are people that have never run. Some of them never ran a mile besides like gym class, you know? So mm -hmm. as that kind of started opening up, it was kind of like I was taking my experience at soul cycle and teaching to 80 plus people in some of the studios and now kind of dialing in with these more personal one-on-one -on -one conversations or one to 20 conversations and building um, a team and a run club and it, it's developed and changed so much over the past three years but um, I think back to your original question like it was kind of always within me that I wanted to be a coach and once I started, I, once I hired a coach and I knew how capable and how much more capable I was, it just like kind of snowballed. Mm. Mm. I love that. I'd be curious for both of you guys. Um, what's been like your hardest training run that either of you have done up until this point and why, like, what well, what's the story behind it and whoever wants to take that first. Matt, you can take the lead. I love it. I always talk about this one because it hits home because I think a lot of times when you have a bad workout, the internal self doubt creeps in. And a lot of times before a big race too, um, before I ran this tunnel vision marathon, I had my longest planned workout. It was a 21 mile workout. And when you get deeper into marathon prep, you start doing marathon paces inside of your long runs. And those workouts start to feel like it's a real like game situation where like literally you feel like you're prepping for a race. Um, in that workout, like I'm sometimes don't take my own advice of feeling properly of doing the things because I like to make the practices harder than the game. And I don't, I didn't feel myself on this long run. I didn't eat anything in the morning. I took one little tablespoon of honey and I just went out and I just did, I tried to attempt the 21 mile workout. Long story short, I was not able to hit my fourth set of three mile at tempo pace and then one mile off. So I cut the workout four miles short and this was like the last hard workout. And in my internal mind, like I was running with my running coach and he was just like, dude, 
one workout doesn't define who you are. Like one bad day, one great workout, one bad work. It doesn't, it doesn't like define your, you know, training program. And obviously it's a lot easier when you're having people kind of feed you that feedback. And I had other runners that tell me the same thing. They're like, dude, you've worked so hard all summer. Like when you're waking up in Austin, Texas, like it's 80 degrees in the humidity in the summer and it's 5:30 in the morning you get out on your first warm up mile and you're drenched right like it's very hard to kind of recreate those situate those um those weather conditions but there was a, a moments of me i was like damn like dude am i ready to run a sub 3 i can't even finish a 60 mile workout you know and like i had all of that doubt that crept in but i think what i kept telling myself i'm like dude if you were able to do 16 miles with no water with no gels with nothing but just sheer will and grit then imagine what you can do in 55 degree weather in Seattle with water, with five gel packs, with all of your typical plan routine. And then it just gave me that confidence of like, yo, you can go do this. And my, I remember my high school coach always said, he's like, our goal is to make Monday through Thursday really, really hard. So Friday's easy. And I felt like I've just taken that same exact approach with anything I do in life. And just like, anytime you can do that, like you just, it gives you that confidence of like you, I do, I did this in those variables. I can do this. I'm, I'm gonna hit the, I'm gonna hit a home run, you know? So that was probably the hardest one for me. Yeah. I can relate to that for sure. Um, I was training for the Hamptons marathon. This was back in 2021 last fall. And it was like summer training in New York city. Again, super humid, super hot, just constant sweating. Um, and I remember I run, I was spending a lot of time running this 0.87 mile loop. And so I was going to use that for my repeats. It was a marathon uh, workout with marathon pace miles in it which weirdly, like as much as this was the hardest workout I've ever done, those are now my favorite workouts. Like give me a 24 mile run with 18 miles at pace before you give me 16 by 400 meters. Like I just prefer it. Um, so I'm out running in these repeats and the first set goes great. The second set I like did my jog recovery. I had a mile in between also jogged out, jogged back. And I was like, something feels off second set about five seconds slower next thing do my recovery my pace is slowing down third set miss all my marks like I'm 15 or 20 seconds behind um and again it was like hot and humid and sweaty and all the things and it was one of those mental like learnings of just kind of like what you're saying Matt of just like this doesn't define you but it was also so disheartening and like a little bit concerning of like if I can't do this for three miles how am I going to do this for 26.2 miles mm. um but it's also the same lesson that I think every runner learns is that you don't have to be able to do it for 26.2 miles, 16 weeks out, eight weeks out, even four weeks out. You need to be able to taper down to be able to do it on the day of the race. And that's the day that matters. Yeah. I was about to say it's, um, I'm fortunate. I think for all of us sport background wise, I'm the only one that came from a time-based sport and swimming between yeah. field hockey for Sam and, and football for you, Matt. And it was, man, and that was my life was trying to hit paces and splits. And you learned very early on where you can't put too much weight on paces and splits. They're, they're great markers and pushing you towards where you want to go. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, you miss pace one day at practice. It's not the end of the world. You can still accomplish what you set out to accomplish. But each time you hit that pace, I, I like to look at it as just you're throwing some money in the bank. You're putting money in the bank so that on race day, you can go cash in, make that to, uh, make that withdrawal. Be curious because both of you guys mentioned with that harder run, humidity and weather being a factor there. For those that are wanting to get into running or newer to running or maybe have been an expert in running now, but they still, we can, we all get affected by weather, right? What have you guys learned now that you would suggest to those out there that are maybe going into that humid season, going into warmer temperatures, how do you better prepare for that? Knowing what you know now. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, the, the most important thing is that you like have the humility to modify your paces, slow down. Like you don't need to run race pace when it's 75 degrees and 65 degree dew point and hundred percent humidity. Like that's not doing you any favors. Um, and it's the same thing as like going faster than the paces that are listed. It's not doing you any favors because you're actually working a different energy system. And when it is hot like that, to be able to hold those paces, you're, you're kind of like cooking yourself from the inside out in a lot of ways where it's like, if you actually hold yourself back 10, 15, maybe even 20 seconds per mile, 
you get the same benefit as if it was 55 degrees and 30% humidity and beautiful weather and a perfect marathon day. Um, and that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to do, myself included. It doesn't feel like you're hitting the right mark in time for your race, but by actually overworking in that way, you're fatiguing yourself and may not be able to hit the faster paces on a better day. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, I, I think what I would say is something that's maybe even like something more tactical that you can control, right? Like whether it's taking more electrolytes or sodium, like if you're going to be sweating a lot, like getting in extra sodium is going to be a positive thing that every human that's listening to this can just do right now. Like you can start taking more salt in the morning instead of just drinking regular water, just put in a little bit of Himalayan salt or LMNT or whatever electrolyte powder you guys have do that or wake up a little bit earlier. Like when it's already humid and hot, by starting your run in the midday when it's the hottest part of the day, that's just not a smart way to set yourself up for success in those conditions. So either starting your runs earlier or starting your runs later in the evening when the sun is setting and it's a little bit less of that, uh, the, the UV ray. Um, I think those are two tactical things that anyone can, my bad, dude, I'm getting too excited in the comments. I'm gonna meet myself. Um, but yes, that's what I would say. Take more salt, take more electrolytes, changing the time that you're running. And if you, if it's really that detrimental, I mean, if you need to run indoors, I would hate to do a long run on a treadmill, but like, if, if, the, if that's the alternative, then, then, then do that if you need to. I've, that, You'll do a lot of that in New York in, uh, in the winter when it snows <laughs> last year, my first long run of my Boston marathon block, I think it was 15 miles, 400 meter pickups with 800 meter recoveries. I think like 13 reps of that. And I had to do it on a treadmill, no screen in front of me. It was so mind numbing. I'm probably one of my strongest runs of the season. I love yeah. That. I was about to say, how much weight would you guys, obviously you're going to be proponents of like, if you have access to the outdoors, go get your runs outdoors. Why is that? Um, for those maybe that aren't familiar, why, why do you prefer out in nature, out running versus treadmill? I know it might sound like an easy question of like, well, it's boring on the treadmill, but from more of like a training physiological standpoint too, what are the benefits of going out versus staying in and just doing a 5k on the treadmill every day? You want to start this one, Matt? Yeah, I think for me personally, and like one, it's definitely just more enjoyable when you're outside. Um, naturally, you'll just get the also the environment, right? Like there's natural hills and, and rolling hills that you'll get, whether it's inclines or declines that you just naturally get when you're outside. Um, I think it's also just like, when you're able to actually just like kind of breathe in nature, it's a little bit more just like an enjoyable thing. I haven't done many long runs on a treadmill. Luckily, Austin is it's pretty warm. So it's like I'm still running shirtless in December. I'm like, damn, this is pretty uh, fortunate of, my, of me. Um, but I think that there's a time and a place. And I think to Sam's point, like the ability to actually like mentally endure a treadmill run for that long, it does have power. Like same thing with like a long track workout when you're just running in circles. Um, but personally, I just like the, uh, the challenge of like the outdoors just cause like nature just gives you a challenge just by the layout of, of the land in that sense. Mm. And I think there's a couple of ways to like, look at it, but, um, if you're running a marathon or you're training for a marathon or a half marathon or 5k, 10k, whatever the distance is, you're running that outside. So you want to experience as much of that as you possibly can and practice in those conditions as much as you possibly can. I don't have any issues or qualms about people training on a treadmill. Tons of my runners use a treadmill. Um, but the other downfall of that is that the treadmill holds the pace for you. So you're just keeping up instead of really knowing how to create that effort for yourself. Um, and again, if, if the weather requires that you run indoors, then you run indoors. But um, for the most part, if you can spend a lot of your, your miles outside, you should. And um, obviously some jobs don't allow for it. If you're running super early in the morning, even for women, it's like feels super unsafe. I run at five in the morning almost every day and I'm carrying pepper spray and some loud whistle thing. And, um, in an ideal world, sure. I could do that on a treadmill, but I don't also prefer to run on a treadmill. I, I get the same kind of environmental, uh, tune out. You're not connected to any technology. No one can bother you. I like being outside far more than I like being on a treadmill. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame you. I think outside is obviously preference number one for a multitude of reasons um for people just getting started out do you have a preference on like where they would start whether that be do you find it easier to actually put them on a treadmill because they can get familiar with different how paces feel and is that another thing or still just like 
get a get a Garmin cheap model and like go out and run. What do you guys see the there? first the first thing for me is preference. If you want to start on a treadmill, then let's get you like enjoying this and learning how to really like running. Um, I think that's kind of the hurdle that I first faced with new runners is I don't want to just run for an hour. Like this is boring. And how do I make this fun? And by starting with run walks um, on the treadmill, that tends to be like a very nice intro without feeling the pressure of having to know how to pace yourself. Like if I had put a brand new runner out on the road with one mile on two minute walk or something like that, they're sprinting for one minute. They're not just like jogging and learning how to run. And every interval is going to look wildly different than the last. So the treadmill as a tool there is really helpful, but you also don't want to then use that as a crutch to, oh, I only know how to run a 10 minute pace if I'm on a treadmill. When I go outside, I start at a nine minute pace and then I slow down to an 11 minute pace. I will say the first like, tempo run Sam program for me. <laughs> I was just like, what is this five minutes something? Like I just, I was like, there's a, there's a difference between like six Oh five and like five forty five. Like that's just like, yeah. you know, I just went for it. I learned very quickly. <laughs> no, that's not what you do. Uh, you quickly learned. Yeah, no, it was definitely, definitely tough. Um, Matt, what about for you? I know you don't hit a lot of treadmill workouts, but if you're yeah, newer out there, I would always tell someone and, and, and Sam, I would love to get your thoughts on this. Like, you know, running is something that is innate in every human. Like all of us can do it. You don't necessarily need to learn how to like rerun unless you really want to work on mechanics and like really, you know, getting really efficient with your running form and mechanics. But, you know, sprinting is a great way to actually start your running journey to like self-correct yourself. And I think there's positives right now. If you're a new runner, like get on a treadmill and just kind of like feel it out a little bit to Sam's point, like the treadmill belt, most normal treadmills at a commercial gym, it's good. The belt's going to move with you. Right. So it's kind of doing some of the work. If you find one of those like assault treadmills, which I wouldn't recommend starting at first just because it is a little bit more intimidating, but it's a great way to like auto correct yourself. If you don't have a coach, if you don't have someone filming you, if you don't have all those things, if you feel like when you're on that assault treadmill or even on a regular treadmill, if you feel like you're out of balance or like one leg is working harder than the other and the, the next day, like your right leg is sore, like these are good um, tips and tricks to kind of like collect this data. Right. And I think if you're a new runner, like working on sprinting and like running at a little bit of a higher speed could be beneficial versus just kind of like jogging and just kind of easing into it. And I know that that might sound like reverse because it's like, oh, Matt's telling me to go sprint. And I'm not saying to sprint for 30 seconds. I'm talking about like very short sprints, like 10 to 15 seconds. And then doing like a, a kind of like a run, walk, run, walk to what Sam's saying too. Um, and if you start with that and then just kind of slowly accumulate more base building on the treadmill, I think that it could be very beneficial for anyone, anyone new. And I think it's a great way to kind of self-correct yourself. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds kind of more like like adding strides into a run. So if I have a mm -hmm. brand new runner, um, I might say, okay, we're gonna do a 25 minute easy run with five by 100 meter pickups, and not designate a pace, but just for them to understand, like, what does it feel like to give a little bit more effort? And if you're tracking them, they should kind of hit around the same time for each hundred meter pickup, or you could do it for time and do 10 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever that looks like. But just to introduce sprinting and using um, a little bit of a different stride and creating more power without saying, okay, I want you to start with 12 by 400 meters and kind of try and figure it out along the way. You have to start with something that's a little bit more digestible, especially if you're like brand new to running. Um, if you have a little bit more experience, things look a little different, obviously, but um, I think in my experience with coaching, especially like this far into it now, it's so personal for every single person's journey. Like everything I'm saying right now could have nothing to do with what your journey looks like. And it would be a conversation. So I think that's the hard part with running. It's like, it is an easy thing and you can lace up your shoes and go and you can take information from whoever you choose to and kind of figure out what's best for you. But what's best for you is only what's best for you. And I can follow the exact same program as Matt and we would have different results. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious from a mindset perspective for the two of you guys coming from uh, backgrounds where the sport was a little bit more inclined towards like short burst, faster um, twitch muscles and then embracing the suck of a three hour ish like activity. Right. What needed to change in your mindset and what did you, what do you wish you knew back then that you maybe know now in terms of just how to mentally approach 
that sport. Mm, I love this. Um, I'll kick it off for a Sam. I think for me, it's running is such a it's a it's a you versus you sport. I think, you know, it's so easy nowadays. Like there's that saying of like comparison is like the thief of joy. As soon as you try to compare to Aliyah to Kipchoge or any of the legends that are out here that, or even people that you look up to influencers, creators, like, Oh, I want to run sub three or I want to do two thirty or whatever it is. Like as soon as you try to compare what you're doing with someone else and what they're doing and their goals, I think that moment is it's a losing strategy. So I think what I would tell someone is, Unlike football, unlike these other sports where it's like a team thing and you have to rely on your quarterback, you have to rely on your coaches and defense and all those things, like looking inside and figuring out like, what are you doing this for and why? And like trying to just, just beat yourself. Right. And I think that moment of like realizing that it's the moment you try to race someone else's race, you're going to feel, you're going to realize that it's a losing battle because you don't know how they prepped. You don't know how, you don't know what they did in their training or what their goal even is. So I think the best thing about running and the kind of like that mindset shift was just running against yourself. And I think for anyone in life, it's the greatest lesson. So many people try to compare themselves with others or try to compete with others, building businesses or building followings or whatever it is, or getting faster races. And I think it's just a losing battle. Like if you're actually in this to just improve yourself, so much of that transfers into other aspects of your life that it's unscalable. Like it just starts to, it just, the foundation gets built so strong that then when you go into the next hobby, the next business, the next relationship, whatever it is, you're building off of that foundation of like just in trying to improve yourself. And then that energy gets reciprocated to other people just naturally. Yeah, I love that. I think for me, it's it's very much as simple as like, I just decide. Whatever my workout is that day, I decide I'm going to complete it. It doesn't matter. And as soon as like the negative thoughts come in or man, I've been out here for a long time or I'm getting tired or whatever, it's like, you just keep recommitting and redeciding over and over and over again. And it's, I mean, I go, I went through phases where I didn't listen to anything at all. When I run now, I almost exclusively listen to podcasts when I run. And it's not even that I'm listening half the time. I can't even tell you what's happening on the podcast or like who I listen to, or it doesn't even matter what they're saying. It just, it's nice to have some sort of sound. Um, but I think for me, it's very much a way to like check back in. Like, have I been paying attention to this podcast? Am I paying attention to my body? Am I tuned in? Am I pretending I'm tired because I feel like I want to go home and I want to do whatever's next to my agenda? And it's like, kind of like, no, no, just decide to be here and decide to continue this and decide to keep going and decide to finish it as best you can. And whatever the the run is, whether this is a 45 minute easy run, or this is a 24 mile long run, it's, I'm just going to decide. Um, and I think for me too, like, and Corey and I talked on this on his last podcast, it's almost like I, I don't think when I first found running like long distance running in the way that I did that I knew I was running from something or running to something like I couldn't separate the difference of those things. And because I identify with it so much now, it's like, if I don't run, I don't feel like myself, you know, like I took a week off after the marathon and I was itching to get back and I was hurt. Like I, there, it doesn't make sense, but all I wanted to do was just be on the road and just like be alone with my thoughts. And you get to like, kind of plan your whole day because I run first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm doing things before people are even close to their alarm clock. So for me, it's like, I get this extra hour and this like built in time that I can just create and do and be by myself. And then I can give the rest to the rest of the world. Mm. Um, I resonate with that heavily. I mean, that was, <laughs> I get that weird twisted way of thinking in my head. I'm like, man, if I'm up at four thirty, four. It's a good day. Like <laughs> able to get some more more time in, right? Matt, you said yeah. something that it reminded me, man, of a story. There was one one year we're swimming Drexel, and a buddy of mine, a teammate, I won't name him, um, found himself in the thousand, which was my like one of my better events. And he was freaking out when he saw the lineup for the the meet. He was like, "Dude, I'm in the thousand. Like, this is." saying never swim this event. So he just kept asking me question after question, Corey, what do you do? What do you do? How, how do you prepare for this? How do you like, what are you eating? What, do, what's the warm up look like? And I kid you not like the entirety of like, from the moment we hit the team bus, drove over to Drexel, like swam warm ups. This dude mimicked like everything that I did <laughs> to the point of like, I'm using the bathroom five minutes before the race. And he's like, Oh, I guess I need to go use the bathroom too. <laughs> totally backfired like he he did not swim his race he didn't have a great race 
mine fortunately panned out for me because it was what I was always doing. The reason I kind of tell this story is now in today's day and age, you don't just have to fight against that, against the teammates you're seeing like in real life, but you have this platform where you're seeing the Matt's of the world, the Sam's of the world that are going out there and doing, eating this and that and another thing in a day. And this is what they're fueling with. How did, how have you guys, I was like, no, there's nothing, there's judgment there. Like I, I get it and I love the content, but how did you guys start to really find maybe this is what I pick from these creators and these other athletes that inspire me and really come up with your own recipe of like what has worked for you. And how do you, do you guys combat that on a daily basis of like, Oh, this guy's doing this. Maybe I should try that. And if so, like, how does someone overcome that? Yeah, I I think think this is good, Sam. Go ahead. I think there's two sides to it. Like on one side, I, I'm not looking at creators or other influencers or other athletes even to tell me what to do. I'm curious about what they do and I, I can like learn from it, but it's not like, okay, you're saying that you do this every single run. I'm going to try that and see what happens. It's kind of over time. If what I'm doing needs to change and it's not working for me, it's like, okay, let me try to add Himalayan salt or whatever the thing mm-hmm. is that I'm not already doing and see what the effect is, but do it long enough to actually either see a lasting impact or to realize that it's not for me. Um, But changing everything all at once and trying to be so much like someone else actually has a negative impact on you. And then you kind of throw everything off and you have to start from scratch all over again. Um, And and the other thing of that is like, if I'm talking about fitness and running and like you guys, like I'm a fitness professional, like I want to talk to a professional. So if I'm talking about diet, I'm talking to a dietitian, somebody who went to school and is a registered dietitian and understands how this is affecting my body. Um, I worked with a sports dietitian for my, my last marathon at CIM. And I could have Googled this stuff, sure. But having someone kind of tell you, hey, this is exactly what's going to work for you as a female trying to run this race in under three hours. And you're on California time zone, you're changing time zones. This is when you should be eating. This is the amount of carbohydrates you need. And I worked with her early enough that I practiced that for the like the previous six weeks up until the race. So I knew exactly going into race day, how I should feel in my body once the race started. I love that. I think I'll echo what Sam says as well in the sense of like, it's so easy to like, oh, like I make so many what I eat in a day videos. And honestly, a lot of it is a play on words of like, so many people get, they over, they overanalyze a lot of things. Right. And I think there's two things I want to say. One, it's you, there's, there's no way that you're going to just take what someone else is doing And just kind of exactly copy that blueprint without really understanding like how much fitness they've built or their metabolism or X, Y, and Z, like fill in the blank, right? It's so easy to watch a video and be like, oh my God, they said I need to take electrolytes here and there and then and this and this supplement. And that's, I mean, God, we live in the market of so many supplements, you know, and there's so many, all these things and, and like this product that's going to get you past the wall and X, Y, and Z. There's so much stuff out here and it's a lot of noise. And I think to Sam's point just like anything, if you're a lifelong learner, you should always be curious about new things and new opportunities and new products. A hundred percent you should be, and you should slowly test things to Sam's point. Don't test 10 new things all at once. And then expect to be like, Oh my God, this is the game changer for my sub three. No, like I would always start with small things first. If you trying to switch your electrolyte supplement, if you're trying to find a gel that works, slowly add this into your long runs and training cycles so you guys can get the data. If I say that I drink LMNT, LMNT does not work for everyone. There's actually a new product called NYX, which tests your sweat. This is a shout out to NYX. Olivia, I'm shouting you guys out. But this is it's a, it's a very interesting product. It was at the running event. And I'll just quickly talk about it just because it actually shocked me because it makes people think that the LMNT or that scratch or tailwind is perfect for you. And it's not the case because every human has different sweat levels of how much you sweat per 30 minutes per hour. Some supplements have more sodium. Some have more magnesium. Some have more electrolytes. And finding out what works for you, you need to do some data. Like you need to do some testing on that. So just because a creator says, yo, I take gels," that doesn't mean that you need to go take that. If you want to sample it and see if it works better for your digestive system, that's a great way. Just like in business, you're going to take a little bit of Mark Cuban stuff. Elon Musk stuff, Gary V stuff, like, but you're not going to take everything that they say and make it gospel. 
And I think for anyone that's curious enough to actually be in this space to learn, because if you're getting into running, then you're curious enough to try something new. Don't take what you see online as gospel. Test it yourself. Go through that process. And I think the second thing I'll say, which is kind of like a something I feel like has been a superpower for me, is just like not overthinking a lot of this stuff. I think so many people when they're new, they get so stressed and they create anxiety for themselves of like, oh my God, like I need to go out and get all of these things that these other runners are doing and getting. Sometimes just having the internal belief like, hey, you have a healthy body. You are able to do this. You're able to challenge yourself. Sometimes just getting back to that gratitude level, like that foundational point is a great place instead of just like looking at all of these things online and like, oh my God, I need to get the compression sleeves to run a sub three. I guarantee you don't, don't do that. So just, I, I would say there's a mixture to Sam's point. If you're taking it seriously, get a coach who has knowledge in the nutrition and the programming space. If you're not that serious into it, then dabble in yourself and, and teach yourself a little bit and test on your, on your journey. Um, and just like, don't overanalyze. I think that's like a lot of people, they get so stuck and they're, they're like, what shoes and what socks? I'm like, just get a pair of socks. <laughs> in that same I'm sorry. breath. I don't know where it is. <laughs> no, no. In that, in that same breath, though, it's running in its simplest form is a sport that you just need shoes for. And I feel like sometimes it's nice to just go back to that. And when you're not training for a marathon and you're just running for the joy of running, and um, even like my first run back, like I wasn't thinking about how much fuel do I need to take with me. You know, it's like those short, easy runs, like you lace up your shoes, you do your prep work and you go like there doesn't have to be this whole grocery list of, okay, did I wake up early enough that I can eat a full meal? Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I do this? I think at some points, like, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. Like I do get so obsessed with my training program and it becomes your lifestyle for those eight to 12 to 16 weeks, however long your program is, but it's, you want to live your normal life and you want to go about and do things in the way that you do and like weave this into it and let this be a part of it without overwhelming you. And I think for a lot of new runners, the running space is so intimidating because it, it does feel overwhelming with so many products. And if you have a good pair of shoes that work for you and they're specific to you and not some professional runner who the shoes were modeled after or whatever that looks like, but the shoes should feel good for you and you should be able to go out and run pain-free and if you can't, that's, you start with foundational, just basic movement. And I think like that gets lost in translation for a lot of people because it's like, well, I got to buy the next percent and I probably need two or three pairs of those to rotate through. And it's like, this doesn't have to be the most expensive sport that there is. It can be, but it doesn't need to be. You can lace up the running shoes that you have and go run for 35 minutes with nothing, no headphones, no nothing. And like, see what that feels like instead of obsessing over what every other person is doing and how they got to where they are. It's good to be curious and it's good to explore and experiment, but you definitely don't have to dive all the way in and make it your whole life on day one. Mm. Let's say Matt said it earlier, he referenced David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. And I always love that story of his first hundred miler where he just showed up with saltines and like <laughs> a folding chair and some water. That's the that's bare all, minimum. All he needed, man. And, but it goes to show like you don't really need a ton to at least to get it rolling. I'd be curious for both of you, what shifts when the the goal turns from completing that first marathon, completing that first half to now I want to go fast at both of these, whether it be a half or the full. And in this case, you know, the mythical sub three uh, land that we've I don't know if it's just me in, in our day and age, but it seems like the sub three world has like exploded lately of it's, it's catchy people, the SEO. <laughs> uh, but what changes for you guys there individually as you shift more from, I'm just going to finish this to I'm pushing the tempo, I'm pushing the time. Yeah, I think I'll go first here. Um, one, I don't think like, First of all, if you complete a marathon, you're you're part of a one percent of, of a community. So off jump, like you should be so freaking proud of yourself of doing that. And I think sometimes people get so lost in the goal. Mm. And I, I think like it's one. I'm gonna answer a question and then I'll kind of give a story in a sense. But after I ran my first marathon, it was on my 26th birthday, and I told you guys that I just started kind of getting into running. I'm like, all right, I'm, let me try it on my birthday. And there was like a kind of a goal. I was like, all right, let me try to do it under four hours, and I I kind of got it 3:55, right? And 
I was like, all right, like, that's awesome. You know, like for me, like that was the benchmark. It was just to finish because I had tried to do it before and I got 18 miles in and I just got complete body cramps and I couldn't finish. So for me, it was just the thought of just finishing. But I think for most humans, after you start to get into a hobby or you get into a challenge, like you want to slightly see improvement, right? And it's once again, an improvement against yourself. It's not against anyone else. And I think for me, it's just like, I had that mentality. I'm like, all right, well, I was able to do 355 with like very minimal training, no coaching, no foundation, just kind of like throwing pasta on the wall. So I wanted to see like what I could then do if I had better preparation, if I had a better foundation, if I had coaching in my corner, and then you just start to see, it's like, all right, well, like what's actually feasible. If you run a 355, it's like, is 330 like an ambitious enough goal or is like, is getting the sub three or even attempting to hit sub three, a better goal. And I think for most people that are, you know, whether you're entering fitness now and you're thinking about it in two weeks, like signing up into a new gym, which most people do this time of year, like instead of thinking about these like metrics and goals, I think having like a a routine is a better way to think about it. If running gives you this ability to now have three to five days where you're actually just moving your body, that should be the benchmark, I think. And I think if you're if you want a challenge and you want to like, you know, chase a goal or chase a time, there's always a time and a place for that as well. But I think sometimes we get so lost in that. And I think even for me, someone that does a lot of social media content, like, oh, I'm my goal to hit a sub three, my goal to hit a 250, whatever it is. When I was in New York City, I had zero goal of running any fast time. My only goal was to meet as many people, to take as many pictures, to make as many videos as possible, just to enjoy it. And I think sometimes when we're so lost into like a time goal selfishly for ourselves, we kind of lose the spirit of what marathons are about. And there's something special about the running community. It's like the people that are actually there supporting and running are just such great humans that I think as people, like we can't get lost in the time so much, even though it is a selfish, like metal that we could put on our, on our wall, you know? So I think one, for me, it happened after that first race, but now after I ran New York, I'm so glad that I'm able to separate like the ability to not always feel like you need to hit a PR and just like be present and enjoy the moment. Like you can't recreate those memories and those conversations if you just want to go hit a sub three and just be locked into your music, you know? Yeah, I, I, there's there's a couple different ways to answer it. There's like so many stories popping up in my head. Um, I think the thing that changes most is that after your first one, you finish it, whatever, and you want to get a little bit more serious. Like you need to start having targets. Like you have to be able to run a sub 125 or around a 125 ish half marathon to realistically break three hours. So maybe you target that and you target a 5k and you target a 10k, you try to get faster at the shorter stuff first, instead of just obsessing over this long distance, because it's exhausting going from CIM to now Boston training. That's a lot. It's two training loads back to back. And like, I'm excited for when I have a half marathon and I can go a little (laughs) bit shorter and a little bit faster, you know? So, um, from that regard, like finding your targets, it's once you want to take things a little bit more seriously, you can get tons of free programs online, but again, they're very cookie cutter and you want to know what works for you. It's hiring a coach is always going to be my first recommendation for anyone, whether you're like getting serious about running or you're, you're just like kind of um, trying it out for size and even get a coach for three months and see where it takes you. And if you like it, Um, Mm -hmm. even if you, I have tons of runners that never have any interest in running races and I just coach and program for them and they're getting faster. And while I'd love for them to race, they have no interest. They're not competitive in that way. And that's beautiful to me that you just want to push yourself to continue to get better and to stay fit and to live healthy and, and to be able to do the rest of your life without the pressure of a race. And, um, I would never want a runner to feel the pressure that I put on myself and the way that you probably put on yourself, Matt, for the sub three, like when you step to the line, it's like, okay, I'm going to see the next time I see the clock, we'll be at 259, 59 or whatever it is. And for, I fell short three times already. And like, it's every time it's just, I get a little bit closer and a little bit closer and which is so cool to me. But at the same time, it's like, man, if I put any more pressure on myself, this would be so disheartening for me. Now I'm like, I get to lace up and get 50 seconds closer and hopefully cross that line in, in the spring. But when I first started, it was so much about the time. Once I first kind of transitioned that it wasn't fun. And even my partner would say to me, like, we don't get to go out. We don't get to do anything. We don't like, it takes over your life. It doesn't need to be consuming. It yeah. doesn't have to do that. And now I'm at a place where it's like, I run every day. Sure. But like, then I can go and live my life and it's fine, but mm-hmm. it, it does. It, it uh, consumes you. And so you need good people in your life too, who are telling you like, 
hey, you did great. Like, let's not talk about running at brunch after you just ran 20 miles for the whole day. Because it, 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 not everyone wants to hear about it all day. Some t- sometimes you just want to go for the run, check it off and move on with your life. And that's very hard for me to do. And I know it's hard for other people, but it's just a hobby that we love. Unless you're a professional runner getting paid. Like, I don't get paid to do this. So why am I so crazy about it? Because I want to push myself. But um, I, I just think anyone that if you are out there running a marathon, you're an amazing human being taking a huge bet on yourself. And that's a beautiful thing. No matter if the clock is where you want it to be or much slower or even faster, it doesn't make a difference on you as a human being. And I think that's also an important thing to know. I love that. Your value as a human does not change based off of the, the clock at the finish line. I'll be the first to tell yeah. you. I mean, that I I thought the other way. I thought when when swimming ended for me, I was like, I got this. Like I, <laughs> you know what I mean. And I would I would like walk into interviews and stuff, and they'd be like, Oh, so like you swam? I'm like, Yes, I swam. Like these are my times. And they were like, This literally doesn't mean anything to us. And I'm like, Oh shoot, yeah, I was really good at a really niche thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Got it. Thanks. Thanks <laughs> um, but it just goes to show, right? Like sub three, 301, 310, 258, like in the grand five scheme, hours. Yeah. The, the value and the quality of you as a human being first and foremost does not change based off of that metric. And that's what I, I love about what both of you guys do and, and what you put out there. I mean, Matt, you're, your New York city run, I think was more inspiring for me to like, want to get back into running than watching you go do the, the two fifty seven. It was just like, that looks, that looks enjoyable. I want to be a part of that. And I texted you right after I was like, bro, I'm doing New York with you next year. Let's go do this. It's yeah. It's something that it's hard to recreate that. Mm. You know, and it's like there's something yeah. powerful about that community and just running in general. And I think it's why I found so much joy in it. And, you know, the people in the conversations that you have, just like this one, like it, they're just powerful. And you just realize how kind hearted and 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 motivated and, and, and optimistic people in this community are. And not that other communities in the fitness space aren't like that. But like I've been in CrossFit worlds. I've been in like strength training worlds. And it's just a little bit different when you're in this space. Um, but to your point, Corey, I think like the New York experience is something that I, w- I honestly believe every human should go experience it, whether you run or you just cheer, or you volunteer. It is something to see, you know, a million plus people that just cheer on strangers. Mm. The thought of that in general, just that statement of a million plus people cheering on people they don't even know as if they're family or friends is something that is just magical and special that happens in November. Um, but yeah, dude, next year, it's going to be a fun time. <laughs> It'll be a great time. I'd be curious to know, last question before we kind of like wrap things and, and plug you guys here. Um, what is your like race that you're maybe most forward, looking most forward to uh, that you haven't run particular yet? Like a course that you haven't done yet, a dream bucket list kind of course that you're like, you get excited for. I'm going to be doing a grandma's marathon in Duluth, Minnesota in June. And I I don't know that I'm racing it. Um, I'm going to race Boston, obviously, but um, I have been wanting to do that race for a couple of years. And it's like a lot of people go there for their BQ and it's a beautiful course on Lake Superior. And I'm hopeful that I will have secured my sub three by that time and can also have that kind of experience that you're saying, Matt, of just enjoying it and not really worried about the pacing and the timing. Um, I am Boston for me. Like I live in New York city. I love the New York city marathon. I was on first Avenue this year. I live on first Avenue. So it's a a yearly, a yearly tradition, whether I'm running it or cheering at it, which is so beautiful. But Boston for me last year was a similar experience. And I'm so looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. I think I high fived like 15 or 20 kids along the way. And like, even though I was concerned about my time, the joy that that course has, it's a Monday, the city is shut down everybody's out on the street. Like there's not one moment where there aren't people like just going nuts for you. And I like you, you put your name on your shirt and you're like a celebrity. It's the coolest <laughs> feeling in the world. I freaking love that. I think for me, there's, I mean, Boston too, but Sam, I think all three of us will get a chance to run in Boston, which is obviously a legendary race. Um, that one is like kind of on my list, but I think something that's out of the marathon realm and into the ultra, like, I put my name in for Leadville and that for next year is something that I'm really looking forward to. And 
Um, I haven't gotten in yet and I, I'll find out in like a month here, but that's something that I think after I do Boston, um, my marathon kick, I think not that it'll be completely over, but like, I do want to kind of tap back into the ultra space and kind of see, um, what that's like again. But yeah, I think Leadville is Leadville is something that one, it's just a, such an historic race. And obviously with the condition that it's at in Colorado, it just makes it very challenging. But, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing for 2023 at least. That is, that's badass, man. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> we'll come crew. We'll come crew for you. Let's yeah, yeah. Come I was on, like, I haven't, I haven't caught that bug yet. We'll see. <laughs> but, well, I have a friend. I have a friend who kind of might be able to plug me in, even if I don't get in. So, look, if you guys are available on August thirteenth, I believe, um, we'll make that happen. Okay. You'll come crew. Send it in. Let's yeah, do I, it. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love that. I love the fact that we're all going to be in Boston and it sounds like New York at least next year. So yeah, um, sure. that'll be a blast. I appreciate both you guys doing this on a later time slot uh, on a Wednesday here. Appreciate you. Where can, uh, let's go Matt first and then Sam, where can those listening in? Uh, if they're, if you're watching this on live, this will be on forever athlete radio sometime in the next year uh in the new year not the next year but, <laughs> like, uh, you don't have to wait a whole year okay uh, where can, yeah where can people <laughs> tune in and catch up and learn more about you guys yeah awesome and, and Corey, i just want to say thank you for having us and obviously getting connected with me and sam i mean it's such an amazing thing Corey just does a great job of connecting humans um but yeah just thank you so much bro um you guys can follow me on instagram uh uh tiktok youtube matt Choi. Um, I'm trying to be on all the platforms and give as much value to all you guys. And if you shoot me a message, I'll do my best to respond. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, I'm uh, on Instagram, no longer TikTok, too much work for me. Um, <laughs> at Sam.Scafidi and at Project Sweat Run Club. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> quick, quick hot take your thoughts on IG now status update this latest update. What do you guys think? I don't get it. I don't, I didn't even get it till today. Everybody else was getting it yesterday. I didn't know what it was. I'm not about <laughs> it. It feels like 2004 AIM away messages. I don't know. I feel like they're going to bring, look, this is how I know. I love Look, Zuckerberg's genius, but he hasn't innovated much. And I feel like he's going to bring back the poking thing like they had on Facebook oh, back God. in the day, which should just imagine? be, we're just, we're just moving. We're trending in the wrong direction, but I saw it today and I was kind of like, I didn't know if these were like people sending me these notes. And I'm like, what is this thing? And then I saw you say something about it on your, on, on Instagram. I'm like, oh shoot, this is just a new update that they're testing. But I guarantee in about a week, it'll probably go away because it won't catch on that much. I hope I hope it goes away, man. It's just a distraction. <laughs> on that, that top part too. I'm like, I just want to go answer messages, and now <laughs> I do. It looks like it's a message to you. I know. I was about to say, I'm just <laughs> opening up to answer messages, and I'm like overwhelmed now with hundreds of now status updates. But hey, whatever. It is what it is. Ig, be better. Um, I appreciate you both coming on here.